Hi friends, this is W speaking to you from the future. I wanted to add a brief disclaimer to older episodes. So here is the disclaimer. My spirituality has matured and grown over the course of this podcast, and it will continue to grow and mature. Therefore, there may be some rituals, concepts, or topics that I discuss in these early episodes that I might not personally follow or endorse any longer. If you do want a glimpse at what I personally believe now and what I learned in this first year of podcasting, check out a series of episodes called Reflections that came out at the end of 2022. However, despite my uneasiness about some of my past content, I've decided to still keep all of my old episodes up, because while they may not mesh with my current point of view any longer, from an educational standpoint, I think these topics are still interesting, even if it's just for entertainment or for general knowledge. No matter if they mesh with my own POV now, these are concepts and things that exist. So... I still think from an entertainment and an educational standpoint, they're fun, interesting concepts, as long as we approach them with discernment. Regardless, I hope you do enjoy this episode, and I invite you to listen to my reflection series to see where this path ultimately led me. God bless you. Hey listeners, today's episode will be about Our Lady of Sorrows, a version of Mary that can be used for protection for binding, as well as softening your own heart and softening the heart of others. Our Lady of Sorrows is very near and dear to my heart, so I really enjoyed making this, and I hope that you enjoy it as well. Thank you. Have you ever been lonely? Have you ever been scared? Have you ever been anxious? Have you ever felt hopeless? The faithful will tell you to pray to God, but what does God know about being lonely? What does God know about being scared? What does God know about feeling hopeless? What does God know about living in a war-torn country, fearing for your life every day, seeing your loved ones brutally murdered before your own eyes? What does God know? What does God know about being a mother, having her children ripped right from her arms because she isn't deemed fit to raise them? What does God know? What does God know about working your hands to the bone, calloused, blistered and bruised every day and you still can't afford to put food on the table, what does God know? What does God know about living every day hungry, afraid, looked down upon and unloved all because you were born on the so-called other side of the tracks, what does God know? What does God know about the trauma of being abused? What does God know about the humiliation of being raped? 
What does God know about the pain of being betrayed? What does God know about the horror of cancer, of illness, of incurable disease? What does God know? What does God know about not having the will to go on and live another day? What does God know? Nothing. 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 But if we are to believe in the Incarnation, and if we are to believe that the Virgin Mary gave birth and raised the Son of God, we can now ask ourselves, what does this mother know? What does this mother know about being lonely? Living every day knowing that her son is going to die, what does the mother know? What does the mother know about fear as she clung to her infant son, hungry, terrified, running from a dictator, out to kill her and her only child? What does the mother know? What does the mother know about anger as she saw her son bloodied and bruised, mocked and stumbling with a cross on his back? What does the mother know? And what does the mother know about hopelessness as she saw her son nailed to a cross, spit on, tortured, humiliated, and left to die as she could do nothing? What does the mother know? What does the mother know about sorrow, pain, horror, and utter despair as she held her son's dead, bloodied, and defiled body in her arms, her whole world shattered? What does the mother know? What does she know about loneliness? What does she know about pain? About anger, about frustration, about vengeance, about suffering, about sorrow, about fear, everything, everything, everything. Peace be with you and with your spirit. A lot of people tell me they have a devotion or an appreciation to Mary, but they want to find that dark feminine energy that you see in Kali, that you feel in Hecate. And I get it. There's simply more lore surrounding those goddesses of Durga. Just these, these brutal, fierce goddess-like figures who are vengeful. I understand. But Mary, as Our Lady of Sorrows, is inherently the dark version of Mary. She is so fueled by vengeance and passion of seeing her son murdered in front of her eyes. She takes that vengeance and that passion and she will protect all of her earthly children. But also, those swords that are piercing her heart. They can be used to break the chains that bind you, soften the hearts of others, and especially soften your own. Though she is protective, she also teaches that through suffering and that through compassion, 
we are able to see the true beauty of the world. Welcome to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I am your host, W. So who is Our Lady of Sorrows? Our Lady of Sorrows is the form of Mary, and she is depicted as crying or a sorrowful woman with seven swords piercing her heart. Other displays might be a single sword in her heart, and we'll get to that symbolism later. I've also seen it with arrows, but nonetheless, you're likely familiar with it. She's usually crying and has swords in her heart. And this form of Mary is actually the most common form that is used by exorcists when they want to get rid of evil or demonic energy. She is used by folk heroes, corenderos, and also European folk practitioners, especially Spanish practitioners in Europe. And she is said, like I mentioned earlier, she can use her many swords to protect you from dark energy as well as any evil humans that are out to get you. Her swords can break the chains that bind you, such as bad habits, curses, hexes, managing addictions, and more. And in Eastern Orthodoxy, this Virgin of Mary is called Mary, Softener of Hearts, and it's because she said she can open your heart or soften the hearts of others on your behalf. So veneration to Our Lady of Sorrows starts with St. Bridget of Sweden in the 1300s. She had a vision of Mary who told her that anyone who focuses or meditates on her seven sorrows will receive the following graces. So the graces are peace for themselves and their families, enlightenment on divine mysteries, However, I've also heard this interpreted as Mary will enlighten you on things that might be holding you back spiritually or in the material world. Another grace is she will console your pain and accompany you in your work. She will ensure you are provided for and taken care of as long as it does not oppose the will of her divine son, Jesus. She will defend you in spiritual battles, and that's where the exorcist tie-in comes in and forgiveness of sins in a joyful, eternal life. And we will get into what the seven sorrows are. These are different than the sorrowful mysteries you pray on a rosary. Those are two different things, and we'll get into that later. So a lot of working with Our Lady of Sorrows is straight up found in traditional Catholicism. Um, this is because everything I just read is pretty mystical. I mean, you don't have to look for a mystical, a witchy, or a folk magic text because traditional Catholicism already teaches you that she is going to protect you from spiritual battles. So that's dark energy, that's hexes, that's curses, that's the demonic. She's gonna bring you enlightenment on divine mysteries so she can allow you to understand some of the mysteries surrounding the universe and the divine. Slash, she's gonna be able to be a guide um, to showcase the areas of your life that can bring you closer to happiness, fulfillment, and joy, both spiritually and in the physical realm. So you add all of that with the fact that she's kind of the main image of Mary that's used by these top exorcists. Um, Our Lady of Sorrows just in of herself is a very mystical version of Mary to have devotion to. However, there are a lot of general Mary workings in folk magic. Um, and we're going to cover a few of those today. But I believe by incorporating this unique image of Mary, you can kind of have 
a certain punch, a certain flavor uh, to your folk magic workings. So let's jump into feast days and offerings. Again, Our Lady of Sorrows is still Mary. <laughs> so you can use a lot of Mary offerings, Mary feast days for Our Lady of Sorrows. Mary is very interesting. It's very, honestly, it's very Hindu. It's very Eastern. You have this um, belief, this drive that Mary has various versions, various aspects that come forth, whether through apparitions or just through traditional teachings. Um, certain venerations over certain aspects of her, whether that's her immaculate heart, uh, whether that is perpetual help, undoer of knots, or Our Lady of Lords, Guadalupe. So Mary is still Mary, but there are certain aspects of Mary that you can meditate on and give devotion to. That's So yes, you can venerate Mary on, on her unique forms, but altogether, any form of Mary veneration is going to be acceptable to Mary. But like I said, this to me is a very unique version of Mary. A very mystical, very powerful, uh, very dark yet compassionate. And I hope that combination of compassionate mother but vengeful mother comes across in this episode. So, feast days. The feast day for Our Lady of Sorrows is September 15th. However, there is also what is called the Friday of Sorrows, which is the Friday before Good Friday. Um, the Friday of Sorrows was removed from the official feast day calendar of the Catholic Church, but it's still venerated and, and celebrated in many masses, many churches around the world, more so in Latin America and Spain. Um, I think, to me, I think that's more fitting since a lot of her sorrows are surrounding Jesus's death. So um, celebrating her around Easter does make a lot of sense to me. And that's coming up. So if you're listening to this when it drops in January, so this is a good time to begin working with her. As far as offerings go, of course, roses, donations to the poor, but I would say for Our Lady of Sorrows, I'd suggest donations to abuse victims or victims of violent crimes ribbons, and of course, candles. All right, so now let's talk about what are these seven sorrows. Mary promised St. Bridget of Sweden that anyone who meditated on her sorrows would get all of those graces I mentioned earlier, the enlightenment of the divine mysteries, protection in spiritual battle, protection from enemies. So what are these sorrows? And like I said, these are different than the sorrowful mysteries on your rosary. The seven sorrows of Mary are, first, the prophecy of Simeon. Um, that is when Simeon said, yeah, this is, this is Christ and he is going to die. He's going to be a sacrifice. And her, his prophecy as well for Mary is that her heart would be pierced so badly from Christ's death that her suffering alone would make her a martyr. And also her pierced heart will have the ability to assist others. So that later would be the focal point of the Servite order of monastics. They would take that line about her pierced heart, having the ability to give graces to others, and they would make a whole order out of it. So the first sorrow is the prophecy of Simeon. The second is the exile into Egypt. That is when King Herod was looking to kill Jesus, so they fled to the desert. 
The next is losing the child Jesus in the temple for 24 hours. Then the next is when she saw Jesus carrying the cross en route to be crucified. The next is the crucifixion of Jesus. The next is him being taken down from the cross and she's holding him in her arms, a very powerful image to meditate on. And then of course, the last one is the burial of Jesus. And like I said, eventually the Servites would take Bridget's vision of Our Lady of Sorrows and the Seven Sorrows, as well as that line from the Bible about Mary's heart being pierced and giving grace to others. And they would incorporate that as a focal point of their practice. And as a result, they created what is called the Servite Chaplet or the Servite Rosary or Our Lady of Sorrows Chaplet or Rosary, which is essentially a rosary designed to pray and meditate on these seven sorrows. And we will get on that practice later in this episode. But let's jump into how to work and incorporate Our Lady of Sorrows into your practice. The first method, the first way to work with Our Lady of Sorrows is going to be protection work and binding work. And let's talk about what that means. Protection can be protection in the physical realm. She can be used to protect your home from burglars. However, she can also be used to protect you spiritually from temptation, from demonic attacks, from a negative energy, spiritual attacks. Um, I know that the church likes to say stay away from magic, and it's not because they don't believe in magic. It's because they do believe in magic. If you look at any spiritual warfare or deliverance prayer book from a Catholic priest, there are plenty of prayers to reverse curses and to end or break curses. And a lot of them call upon Mary. And if a priest is praying or an exorcist is praying over you to break these curses or to reverse these curses, they might have an image of Our Lady of Sorrows. So a lot of times people think the church doesn't believe in that. No, they definitely do. And it actually, there actually are legit prayers to reverse hexes, to reverse curses. So Mary can be used for that, both the spiritual as well as the material protection. And if you remember earlier, one of the graces that praying or meditating um, on Our Lady of Sorrows with is protection in spiritual battles and spiritual warfare. So that's not just the demonic or temptation to sin, get that out of your head. More so, that is also someone that is throwing negative spiritual energy your way. And let's talk about binding as well. Binding is stopping someone from hurting you. They are stopping someone from doing something that is negatively affecting you or negatively affecting someone else. There's a misbelief that that is baneful. It is not. It is protective. Similarly, if you want to have someone, for lack of a better term, punished for harming you so that they will see the error of your ways, that's not baneful either. That is vengeful or justice magic. Um, so I'm bringing this up because a lot of people want to do binding work or they want to do justice work. And they're like, oh, well, I can't work with Mary. I can't work with a saint because it's baneful. That's not baneful. Both of those are just a form of protective magic, not baneful magic. To me, baneful magic would be something very mundane. Um, someone ate your lunch 
at lunch break, and so you want to conjure up them getting in a car accident. That would be painful. However, someone's eating your lunch, they're taking your car, your parking spot. You want to put them in the freezer so they'll stop. That's just protective binding work. So what you're asking for is what makes it baneful versus binding. And oftentimes you're just going to ask a saint or Mary to assist you and you're not going to really specify how. Um, and like I've said in past episodes, some of my best most effective workings have been in the in the justice or the binding area of my practice. So when we talk about protection, when we talk about binding, when we talk about justice, don't throw away the saints and Mary in those because they are great at assisting. So let's jump into our first protective working with our Lady of Sorrows, which is a rosary protection spell. So for this, you are going to need a black candle, a bowl, holy water, and a rosary. An Our Lady of Sorrows rosary is preferred. And that also can be an Our Lady of Sorrows chaplet. So if you want to get into the details of rosary versus chaplet. So you're going to take that black candle and you are going to pray a Hail Mary over it. Also, feel free to do this in your cultural language. So if you are an Italian, folk magic practitioner, a Mexican folk magic practitioner, feel free to do it in your cultural tongues. I personally love praying in Latin for no other reason other than it feels more witchy, frankly. It just feels more spiritual. So pray however you want to pray. And now you're going to carve the words, defend us, holy mother, into the candle and affix the candle to the bowl. How do you do that? How I do it? I light the bottom so the wax melts a little bit and I stick it in the bowl. Now we are going to place the rosary around the candle so it's in the center of the bowl and fill that bowl with holy water and then pray another Hail Mary. So when you're done praying, ask that Mary defends and protects your family in every aspect of life and to save you from any misfortune like the ones fell upon Christ. Ask that we may be saved from our enemies and that the thorns of the crown of Christ instead be pointed towards those who mean us harm. So as you say this, you can feel free to flick or sprinkle the holy water around the room and onto yourself. And once the candle is fully burned, you can place that rosary on your altar to dry and it can then be carried for your protection or you can put it on your altar next to photos of loved ones that you feel need protection. So super simple, you take that black candle, you carve Defend Us Holy Mother into it, affix it to the bowl, put that rosary around the candle, fill the bowl with holy water, light the candle, pray another Hail Mary, and ask Mary to defend and protect you, and then kind of sprinkle that holy water from the bowl around the room and on yourself. And once the candle is fully burned, you can place that rosary on your altar, and I also think a really cool thing to do here is to place it around photos of those who need protection in your life. So really simple and really great folk magic practice that I've come across that I really like. And you can do this with any rosary, uh, feel free. Um, let's say you have a rosary and you wanna use it, but it's not Our Lady of Sorrows, that's fine. I would maybe recommend getting an Our Lady of Sorrows prayer card or printing out a picture of Our Lady of Sorrows and putting it on the altar while you do this, because I do think 
her presence does pack a more powerful punch. And the next working I want to talk about is an Our Lady of Sorrows binding spell. So we've already talked about Baneful versus binding. Binding's all about protection. You can do it, especially with Mary. She's great for it, especially this version of Mary. She can use those swords to block out anyone coming to do your harm and to shut them up. So for this, you're going to need a black candle, an image of Our Lady of Sorrows. That can be a prayer card. That can be a statue. Paper and red pen, a bottle or jar, and a few roses. I would say four, but if you can get a half dozen, you might as well. Go ahead, get a dozen. Give six to someone that you that you like. Give it to a sweetie. So, carve the words, Mother Mary defend me, onto a black chime or taper candle. Can you do it with a black novena candle? Yes, and you can just write it in a marker, but I like this working because it's, it's kind of short. So if you have a novena candle, you're gonna want it to burn down all the way, which could take seven to nine days. So I do recommend a chime or a taper candle. So on your altar, you're gonna place an image of Our Lady of Sorrows, as well as the candle and any other offerings, the roses, the bottle, the jar, all of that can be on your altar. But the main things that you need to be on your altar are gonna be that image of Our Lady of Sorrows and the black candle. So now you're going to write a letter to Our Lady detailing the person or the situation that you need to be bound or need justice work done into. You can do either here. And really get the detail, guys. I write letters to saints all the time. I, I feel like it's almost a form of journaling. It's really powerful. Be as detailed as you wish. It can be a few pages if you want it to be. But at the end, you're going to write, Mother of Sorrows, may your swords unbind my chains, defend and protect me. Again, that's Mother of Sorrows, may your swords unbind my chains, defend and protect me. Now, after you're done writing it, write a big ol' X over the letter to signify this person or this situation being crossed and bound. Now you're going to drip black wax from the candle on four corners of the letter and fold it up. Here, if you do want to add some kind of protection oil, like a St. Michael fiery wall of protection oil to, to the letter, you can do that as well. Now you're going to take that letter so you have that letter folded up, you, you, bat, you put uh, wax on the four corners. You're gonna put that in a jar or a bottle and pour a few more drops of wax into the bottle. Now, as the candle burns, you're gonna pray Hail Mary or even better, a chaplet to Our Lady of Sorrows. So now once the candle has burned, you're going to add holy water, and uh, the thorny stem from one of the roses into the bottle. I'd also recommend you put any kind of protective or binding herbs in there. Red pepper flakes, lavender, nettle, clove, throw those in there too. Now close the jar or bottle, pray a Hail Mary over it, once again kind of repeating your request. Now it's said you can leave the bottle at the crossroads with a rose as an offering. So for the remaining roses, you are encouraged to put one in front of a public statue of Mary, and you can leave the rest on your altar next to your image of Our Lady of Sorrows. 
So to recap, because I feel like I made that sound more complicated than it was, <laughs> you're gonna take a black chime or taper candle and carve the words, Mother Mary defend me. Write a letter to Our Lady detailing the person or situation. And at the end, write Mother of Sorrows, may your swords unbind my chains, defend and protect me. Draw an X over the letter. Drip black wax into all four corners. Add any oil you want. Place the letter in a jar or bottle and pour some more wax in there. And then as the candle burns, pray a Hail Mary or a chaplet to Our Lady of Sorrows. And then you're gonna add holy water, a thorny stem from one of the roses and any protective herbs. Close the bottle, pray a Hail Mary over it, repeat your request. Leave it at a crossroads with a rose as an offering. And then you can place the remaining roses to a public statue of Mary and the others on an altar, your altar, next to Our Lady of Sorrows image that you have. So that's a really fun way to do a binding spell or, or justice type work with Our Lady of Sorrows. Uh, this is very similar to the St. Peter uh, hoodoo um, binding or cursing uh, work I talk about in that episode. So check out that episode as well. It's one of my early episodes, but it's one of my favorites. So this spell is very similar to that one. So like I said, Our Lady of Sorrows has this power, this ability to use her swords to break the chains that bind you or break bad habits, as well as softening the heart of others. Eastern Orthodoxy, they call her Mary Softener of Hearts, both your own and others. So this is a pincushion spell, the Seven Sorrows pincushion spell. Um, and this is really just a devotional act to Mary. I am using this in the lens of breaking bad habits or softening the hearts of others, but you can do this with any request as well as any veneration or version of Mary. But for this, you're going to need a red pincushion. I've also seen this done with a red felt heart, which I think is pretty cool, or a heart-shaped pincushion. Seven needles, but I've also seen this done with seven like tiny swords that you can put in a pincushion. That'll work too. But the easiest way here is going to be a red pincushion and seven needles. Also, you're going to want to decorate your altar for Our Lady of Sorrows. Again, this is more of a devotional work, so have fun. Go at it, be creative, do what speaks to you, do what is best for your spirituality and express yourself as you express yourself. Though, here are some recommendations. An image of Our Lady of Sorrows, a prayer card, uh, a printed out framed image, a novena candle, a statue, any of it. A prayer card is probably the easiest to do. I always recommend just buy a bunch of prayer cards. That way you don't have to buy a bunch of statues. Candles of any color, and again, this isn't a candle magic prayer. So candles are just as an offering, lighting them as you pray, as well as ambiance, of course. Incense as an offering. Rose incense is probably your best bet here. Flowers, again, roses are probably best. Water and wine. Um, those are kind of recommendations to how to dress your altar, but of course, do it as you deem fit and how you wanna express yourself. And the next thing you need is optional, but I recommend it, and that is a journal. And we'll get into that in a second. So for this working, you are going to be asking Mary's assistance with seven things. 
And that is where the journal comes in handy here. So what I would do is I would take a journal and think about what you need unbound or whose heart you need softened and why. And I recommend you journaling about this. And then I also recommend you step away and then come back to ensure it is what you want and it is articulated in the way you wish to articulate it. So you're going to write down seven small prayers or messages that go along with your unbinding or your heart softening. So the first one should be one that states the habit that you want broken and be honest and open with Our Lady about how much this addiction or this habit pains you. And the remaining will be the graces and ways breaking the habit will benefit your life. So breaking habit X will allow me to be closer to my family and give them the love they deserve. Breaking habit X will allow me to put more energy and heart into my career, which will allow me to live a more simple and fruitful life, etc. So again, the first one is, is just a prayer, a statement. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I need assistance with. And then the next are the graces and how it being solved will assist your life. So if this is done to soften someone's heart, the same thing. The first one will be a prayer about their situation. And then the next will be the benefits. So the first one, I come to you to ask assistance in softening the heart of so-and-so, then explain the situation. Then the remaining will focus on the benefits of having this person's heart softened on your behalf. So once you've mapped out what you wanna talk about, light your candles, arrange your altar, and sit with the image of Our Lady of Sorrows. I do recommend you pray in Our Lady of Sorrows chaplet before you, you get into work kind of to center yourself but even a Salve Regina, a Hail Mary, a normal rosary, that works fine. You can also just sit silently and focus on your breath in front of the image. I think that's so powerful and I think it's overlooked. We have this tendency, especially in the West, that we always think we need to be doing something and sometimes we just need to sit. So when you're ready, grab your pincushion and your pins. Very simple now. You could probably imagine the first needle state your first prayer and insert into the cushion. Second, say it and insert it until you're done. Um, and when you are done, place the pincushion on your altar with your other offerings. So you can keep this pincushion in view, keep it with you at your desk and your purse on your altar. So you can look at it and know that Mary is working with you, working on your petition and has heard your prayers. And you can repeat this when you feel the need to. That is one option, so maybe uh, repeat this once a month. However, I, I have this philosophy of when you do your working, let it go. And since this is something that's more you're working through a habit or an addiction or you're trying to work on a relationship with someone, maybe you do want to keep doing this, but there is also a lot of power in letting go after a working in a novena so you're not obsessing over it. So either way, do that as you deem fit. Either repeat it or just keep the, um, the cushion on your altar, on your person, in your desk, just as a reminder. And I think this general working is just a really beautiful way to connect with Mary. Yes, the swords, the needles, the seven, it's all symbolic of Our Lady of Sorrows. And again, we're using softening of hearts, breaking habits, just because that's what she's known for. But again, seven prayers seven wishes, seven hopes, seven praises. I think sometimes we forget 
especially when you're when you're approaching spirituality from an angle of I want to get something, we forget how to praise, we forget how to be thankful. So seven things you're thankful for. This can be what you want it to be. I don't think people like when I say stuff like that. But once you know the basics and once you have the ingredients, you can have fun with the recipe. So what the working I suggested I think is powerful and, and I know people who do that. But again, have fun with this, be devotional and use this as a way to connect with the Divine Mother. And the next way to work with Our Lady of Sorrows is through shadow work, spiritual growth, or getting over yourself. It's very easy to have a hardened heart, especially in an age where everyone is so compelled to have an opinion on everything. Have you ever realized that? Have you noticed that social media makes everyone think that they must have an opinion, that they must reply to the tweet, that they must comment on the post, even if it has nothing to do with them, even if it has nothing to do with their expertise, with their culture, with their life, but how social media is created, how the digital world is created, we feel like we have to keep interacting. We have keep having to give our opinions, even if it does not include us. And that, amongst other factors, has created this very much us versus them mindset. It's been there forever, but now it's even worse. And you see that even in the spiritual community. Cries for cancellations, trying to close every open practice and culture to the point of fault and alienation. It's so easy to create enemies when you see everyone as the other. I've spoken a few times about how I don't like saying us sinners in my Hail Marys, because that's not the Mary I know, but don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I'm not a sinner. I think the word sinner has been used as a weapon rather than the true meaning of the word, which is simply someone that is not spiritually intact. Someone that has blockages that don't allow them to commune with God as easily. And if that makes me a sinner, then absolutely I'm a sinner and many of us are. I have those blockages and we all do. So fine, if the word sinner makes you uncomfortable, me too. But let's not pretend that we are perfect open vessels with no blockages from being in total communion with God. And for us to really commune with the divine, we have to escape this self-centered thinking that we are perfect, that there is an us versus them. We must see the divine and God in all things to hate the sin, but love the sinner, to hate the hatred, but love the hater, even the most vile of them. We should condemn their actions and do every single thing we can to stop them. But if we resort to their actions, we're creating the same poison that they are, just maybe a poison of a different flavor. So if we truly want to commune with the divine and form a relationship with God and a relationship with the saints, we have to open our hearts, not only to the God in the spiritual realm, but to the God that lives in our fellow humans, even the ones that we despise, even the ones that we overlook, even the ones that we ignore, even the ones that we feel like are not worthy of love, even those. It's fine to ask God for protection. It's fine to ask God for what you need, even if it's material things. 
It's even fine to ask God, saints, or Mary to ensure someone who has hurt you or someone who is dangerous is going to get the justice and divine vengeance that they deserve. But don't forget about the things that you can be doing better. The things that you can do to improve your power, to improve your inner divinity, and your relationship with the divine. And a lot of that starts with getting over ourselves. Myself, definitely included. So I would be doing an absolute disservice if I didn't mention simply praying the Our Lady of Sorrows chaplet. Um, there's so many beautiful Our Lady of Sorrows rosaries and chaplets online. Find one and pray it. Um, you also don't need a chaplet to do it. It's very simple. You start with an Our Father. You mention the specific sorrow. You pray seven Hail Marys, and then you repeat on to the next one, the next one, and the next one. You can add your own flair if you want. You can pray the Magnificat. You can pray the Memorare before and after a Salve Regina, whatever it is to make it special to you. But simply praying this chaplet and asking for Mary's grace, for healing, for opening your heart, it's more than enough. I think all of the, the rituals and the practices and the spells I mentioned earlier are awesome. I use them, but there's still so much power you still get all of these graces that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode just by doing this chaplet. But the such a powerful, powerful thing is how many devotionals force you to contemplate on someone else's pain. If you grew up Catholic, if you grew up in the church like me, if you grew up, you know, seeing a, a bloody Christ every day, if you grew up in the era of the Passion of the Christ movie, you get numb to it. You know, uh, you get numb to, to meditating on Mary as a human being. But this devotional forces you to contemplate on someone else's suffering, to feel someone else's sorrow, to feel someone else's hopelessness, to feel someone else's pain. And that is so rare and that is so powerful because, again, social media, information, so much talking, so much chatter. It's so easy to see someone as just another face behind a screen, just another human on the street. But if we are to sit down and contemplate and meditate on someone else's suffering, even though, yes, this person is now queen of the angels and queen of heaven, but if you can contemplate and see that as a human being, then you surely can put yourself in the shoes much easier of someone else on the street, someone else that usually is invisible, someone else that might be lost, that might need your prayers. So I just think it's so powerful that this practice is forcing you to open up your heart. And the best grace from this Sorrows Chaplet is that Mary is supposed to give you signs where you can improve your life, spiritually or materially. We talk a lot in the witch community, in the magic community about divination, divine something in my dream, give me a message, tell me where I'm going right, tell me where I'm going wrong. We develop these relationships with guides so they will assist us. And this traditional Catholic thing is just that. It is a way to connect with Mary as your spiritual guide who will assist you in this realm. The thing many of us want. And like I said, she was going to open your heart so you can be more patient in dealing with others, but also the protection 
to not take any shit from those out to harm you. So when discussing folk magic with, with a Catholic flair, we all love the crossroads stuff, we love the dress candles, we love the hoodoo influences, but sometimes a simple rosary, a simple chaplet, a simple prayer can give you the same graces and results as an elaborate ritual or an elaborate working. So try it. Try it all. I still recommend the, the rosary protection. I think that's just a really great way to bless and infuse your rosary with energy. The pincushion working is a great devotional practice. The binding practice is another incredible binding. Like I said, it's very similar to the St. Peter one I do personally. This one, I love the rose incorporation. And when you make something your own ritual, you're creating something more powerful. So do it, have fun, express yourself, be charismatic with your working, infuse these workings with your own flavor, with your own passion to create what you want and really feel your own power. But don't overlook the simplicity and the brilliance of sitting silently, saying a prayer and contemplating something contemplating sorrow, contemplating grief, contemplating joy, contemplating passion, contemplating victory. Let's end with a prayer. Thank you for listening. Mary, mother of sorrows, mystical rose, morning star, refuge of sinners, solace of migrants, Comforter of the afflicted, fierce protector of God's children, vengeful mother, mother of love, mother of fire, mother of earth, cause of our joy, queen of compassion. Rip open our hearts. Tear open our hearts so that we may bleed out all of which does not serve you. We so desperately crave to be understood here on earth and you, of all of the divine, understand us best. You have lived through fear. You have lived through pain. You have lived through hopelessness and sorrow. And as you knelt down, holding your son in your arms, bloody, defiled, and dead, you made an oath, an oath to protect all of your children, to love all of your children, and to ensure that his grace is felt by us all. So we sit here, mother of sorrows, as your children, as siblings of the same Christ you so loved, as children of the God who was incarnated, as stars in the vast universe of God's grace, we sit here yearning for you, begging for your peace and praying for your comfort. May your tears be used to cleanse our mourning hearts. May your veil be used as a hiding place for our darkest hour. May your foot be firmly placed upon the throat of the evil one. And may your names on our lips hush the chaos ever so present in our hearts and in our minds. Mary, Mother of Sorrows, be our peace. Mary, Mother of Sorrows, pray for us. Thank you. For listening to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue, I am your host, W. Stay tuned for more. I appreciate all of your support so much. And remember, never lose your sense of wonder.
never forget that you are still a child of the divine. Thank you.